that sound of the body of Christ greeting one another. It's a beautiful sound. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount here on Sunday morning, so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Be looking at verses 9 through 12. The Bible under the seat in front of you, if you're using that, you can find that on page 1115. Matthew chapter 5. Father, we ask your blessing upon the teaching and preaching and reading, proclaiming of your word. I pray that you would speak to each one of us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you have asked us as your people to live a life that's beyond our ability. We need your power, and we need to surrender every area of our lives to you. So I pray that you would teach us wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. People who are citizens in the kingdom of Christ are different than people outside of that kingdom. The difference is strong. The contrast is great. In this opening section of the Sermon on the Mount that we call the Beatitudes, King Jesus is describing what his people look like. And this is what we're supposed to be like. Jesus said that we are to be poor in spirit. We're to mourn over sin. We're to be meek. We're to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're to be merciful. We're to be pure in heart. Now, I'm telling you, when you live life like that, you will be different from other people. The way Jesus asks us to live here is counter to the way the world thinks. We will be an odd bunch if we truly live this passage. Jesus goes on to say, even though we're going to be different, even though we'll be an odd bunch, we will have a tremendous impact on this world, even despite the way the world may respond to us. Our impact as kingdom people should be great. Look at what we read in verse 9. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Kingdom people are peacemakers. If you're a born-again Christian here this morning, you are to be a peacemaker. This word for peace in the Greek, arene, and also in Hebrew, you've probably heard this before, shalom. Both carry sort of the same meaning. It's a positive word. It speaks of wholeness, an overall well-being. When a Jew says shalom... He's wishing another more than the absence of trouble. He's wishing that person everything that would make for a complete, whole life. So it's not just the absence of trouble. It's this this amazing fullness of peace. That's what we're after as kingdom people. That's the type of peace that we're all about. Now, you notice that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to stress the second part of that word, peace 
makers. This is a dynamic word bursting with energy. A peacemaker is someone who aggressively makes peace. Someone who actively pursues peace. So Jesus did not say, blessed are all the peace lovers. All those peace-loving people out there, they're so cute, right? (laughs) Jesus did not say, blessed are all the peace dreamers. Peace, man. Give peace a chance. Visualize world peace. Jesus did not say, blessed are the appeasers. Blessed are all those, you know, respectable, easygoing people. They don't rock the boat. They don't make any waves. They're very tolerant. The people that will have peace at any price. People that will ignore problems. Now, that is not what Jesus is speaking about. In fact, Jeremiah and Ezekiel the prophets spoke about the false prophets in their days. The false prophets in their day were running through every sector of society claiming peace. There's peace here when there was no peace. No, we're to be peacemakers. We are to go into hostile situations where there's war and conflict. And make peace there. Ironically, a peacemaker is a fighter. A fighter for peace. A champion of peace. So throughout the New Testament, as Christians, we are commanded to actively pursue peace. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I beseech you, Christian, to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Romans 14, Paul says, Let us pursue the things which make for peace. Romans 12, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, you live peaceably with all men. This is aggressive peacemaking. We don't run from the battles. We run into them. We go into all the arenas where there's conflict and we make peace. So what are some of those arenas? Well, they're all over the place, aren't they? We're to be peacemakers in our personal relationships with one another. In a conflict with your spouse or your children or a friend. Or a brother or sister in Christ, a personal relationship, you're to be a peacemaker. You're to do everything you can to bring peace to that. In fact, later on in the sermon, Jesus will say, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come after your gift. Jesus says in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If he refuses to hear, tell it to the church. That is aggressive peacemaking. 
whether you've done the offended or you've been offended, whatever side of the equation you're on, you're to pursue peace. You're a peacemaker. We are to seek to bring peace in the midst of personal conflicts between others. Maybe you know of somebody that's going through a marriage issue, a fight in the marriage, and you have access. You're, you're, you're a friend. You have a voice. Be a peacemaker. Maybe there's a feud in your neighborhood. Be a peacemaker. Maybe there's an all-out war where you work between departments, co-workers, all this chaos. You be a peacemaker. Maybe there's fights in the church. Groups of people in the church that aren't getting along. You should be a peacemaker. Now some would say, well, you know, I don't really want to get involved. It's too risky. It's too messy. It's really not my problem. It's none of my business. It's too painful. Being a peacemaker takes courage and it is painful and it does take risk we're to be those that actively take those risks how about the wars and conflicts in our nation do we get along politically anymore in this country the fights the bickering all of that all the different issues, it would be real easy to say, you know, I'm going to sit that out. I'm going to take my place on the sideline. I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to do anything. But as Christians, we need to give voice. We need to pursue peace. And remember, here's the rub. We fight for peace, but we fight as meek men and women who are humble, gentle, merciful, of pure hearts, There's a fight, but there's a right way to do it. And we need help by the power of the Holy Spirit to do it, don't you think? So we are to be peacemakers in every arena. And I would say to you this morning, I think your number one responsibility as a peacemaker is to introduce people to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. That's the number one thing you can do. You know why people are at odds with each other? You know why there's so many fights? Because people are at war with God. People are sinful. They're not right with God. And you can't have good horizontal relationships if you don't have a good vertical relationship with God. And so the best way to be a peacemaker as a Christian is to aggressively preach the gospel of peace. Share Jesus with people. Live like a Christian in front of people. Share with them. Bring Jesus Christ into these situations. Introduce them to the Prince of Peace. Now I want you to see, this is an aggressive thing. We are to be aggressive like this. All of us. Aggressive peacemakers. Oh, we need to be doing this daily. We need to be praying about it. St. Francis of Assisi used to pray this prayer all the time. He would pray, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hate, may I bring love. Where offense, may I bring pardon. 
May I bring union in place of discord. The peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The Greek word order is this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they and they alone, sons of God, shall be called. The idea is that it is the peacemakers on planet Earth that will be recognized as true children of God. It's the peacemakers. It confirms who you are in Christ. It confirms that you're a part of his kingdom. If you call yourself a Christian and there's nothing but trouble in your life and in your wake, everywhere you go, you leave a path of trouble and bitterness. Something's wrong. One Bible scholar said there are people who are always storm centers of trouble and bitterness and strife. Wherever they are, they are either involved in quarrels themselves or the cause of quarrels between others. They're troublemakers. There are people like that in almost every society and every church. And such people are doing the devil's own work. On the other hand, thank God there are people in whose presence bitterness cannot live. People who bridge the gulfs and heal the breaches and sweeten the bitterness. Such people are doing a godlike work, for it is the great purpose of God to bring peace between men and himself and between man and man. The man who divides men is doing the devil's work. The man who unites men is doing God's work. The peacemakers. You shall be recognized as the children of God. You know, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, the Bible also teaches that you're a member of the family of God. God's your heavenly father. And you know, like father, like son. Like father, like child. If you're a child of God, you should be like your heavenly father. And your heavenly father is a peacemaker. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a peacemaker. And I would suggest that he's the ultimate peacemaker. Has anybody else in all of history experienced more pain to make peace? Than Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 says. For it pleased the father. That in him Christ. All the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him whether things on earth. Or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood. Of his cross. What did Jesus do to make peace? Did he sit it out? No, he left heaven, became man, died on the cross for our sins to make it possible for us to have peace with God and peace with others. So we're to be like him, seeking that. Okay, so how will the world react to us as peacekeepers? Are they going to give us the Nobel Peace Prize? Are you going to be honored or are you going to be put on a pedestal? Because you're going to be a peacekeeper for Christ Jesus. 
Look at verse 10. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow, wow. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Kingdom people will be persecuted. Jesus said, they will persecute you. Jesus said, do not be surprised if, he said, no only when that you will be persecuted. They will revile you. They will speak evil of you. Persecution, man, this is that intense Greek word that speaks of a pursuit with hostile intentions. Being chased out of town, people trying to silence you, trying to destroy you, trying to discredit you, get rid of you. So, As a kingdom person, you might suffer economic pain. You might be cast out of different social circles. Persecution has been extremely intense throughout church history and still is in many places on the earth today. You know, many Christians have been persecuted. They've been imprisoned. They've been beaten. Some have been martyred. Persecution. Jesus said, kingdom people will be reviled. To revile is a word that means to assail with abusive words, to rail at, to defame, to insult, to harshly and unfairly criticize. All kinds of evil will be spoken against kingdom people. The idea here is malicious slander, defamation, insults, offense. Jesus said, kingdom people will experience that. Now, here in America, we talk about persecution. We don't experience intense persecution like Christians have and like some Christians do yet, right? But we still experience persecution, being cast out of social, having different people say bad things about you. Now, I remember when I was coming back to the Lord halfway through college I came back to the Lord it was a radical change and I had a roommate and one of his friends began referring to me as the Bible buddy hey where's your Bible buddy and Terry began to be known as the Bible buddy and you say well no big deal well you know what I was a kid and it hurt my social center these were friends these were people that I hang with It hurt. Persecution hurts. And I love that Jesus is straight up on it. I love that he doesn't leave any surprises. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Paul promises us in 2 Timothy 3, all who desire 
to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I love that he's honest. You know, I think we do a great disservice to brand new Christians or when we share the gospel and we say, hey, come to Christ and everything will be great for the rest of your life. No more problems for you. No more issues for you. No. There will be problems. You will be persecuted. You will suffer things. Please, please understand the qualifying factors for persecution. Jesus said, blessed are those, in verse 10, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, living righteously, the way God defines righteousness. Verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. You are blessed when you are persecuted for Jesus' sake. When you walk with Jesus and you stand for Jesus, that's when you're blessed. You will not be blessed when you are persecuted for being an obnoxious person. A weird person. A condescending, arrogant person. You know, there are some Christians who think like they're getting persecuted when in fact they're just being persecuted because they're weird. Or they're acting obnoxious. You know, I do see the, the, some of the street preachers. And, you know, some of them are good, but others get... I can see why they throw tomatoes at them, you know? They're offensive. And then they think they're being persecuted. Christians are very often persecuted, not for their Christianity, but for lack of it. Sometimes they're rejected simply because they have unpleasant personalities. They're rude, insensitive, thoughtless, or piously obnoxious. Some are rejected because they are discerned as proud and judgmental. Others are disliked because they're lazy and irresponsible. Incompetence mixed with Piety is sure to bring rejection. Now you understand why you're being persecuted. You should be persecuted for Jesus' sake. And for living a righteous life. And that's when the real persecution will come. Because I'm telling you, when, you, when your life looks like the Beatitudes, when you're poor in spirit... When you mourn over sin, when you're meek and merciful and pure in heart and you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're a peacemaker, boy, you stand out. And when the world runs into a person like that, there's a hostile reaction to it. It's like the kingdom of light crashes into the kingdom of darkness and there's a blow up. So expect that. Understand that. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if, if, you're a born, if you call yourself a born-again Christian here this morning and you've never been touched by any blowback, 
You've never been hurt by the world? Because of the way you live righteously or for Jesus Christ? Something's wrong. Jesus told us in Luke chapter 6, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Woe to you when everybody in your life speaks well of you. Wow. There should be that persecution that you're feeling. Someone asked Roger Staubach, former quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, about football injuries. How did you keep on keeping on if you're playing professional football? And Roger said something very important. He said, if you're not playing hurt, you're not playing football. It's exactly the same way with the Christian faith. If you're not living at hurt, you're probably not living the Christian faith. You think to yourself, could you be more, more intense? Could you be more engaged? Do you truly know Christ and you're thankful for what he's done in your life? According to one story in church history, John Wesley was riding along a road one day when it dawned on him that three whole days had passed in which he had suffered no persecution. Not a brick or an egg had been thrown at him for three days. Alarmed, he stopped his horse and exclaimed, Can it be that I have sinned and I'm backslidden? So he got down from his horse, he went down on his knees and began praying, asking God if there was any fault in him. A rough fellow on the other side of the hedge heard the prayer, looked across and recognized John Wesley. I'll fix that preacher. And he picked up a brick and tossed it at him. It missed him. But Wesley leaped to his feet, joyfully exclaiming, Thank God it's all right, I still have his presence. (laughs) That might be a little extreme. But I promise you, if you're a peacemaker, if you're living this out, the world will throw bricks at you. They'll shoot darts at you. Expect it. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You want to know the people who really belong to the kingdom of heaven? These people. The ones that are committed. The ones who really get it. No question that they're part of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Now think of that. When you're persecuted, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Because Jesus says, great is your reward in heaven. Now he uses a word there in the Greek. Immeasurably great is your heavenly recompense. Man, if you are persecuted for righteousness, if you are persecuted as a Christian in this life, you will be rewarded to your wildest imaginations in heaven. Now, I want to I, just think this through as a Christian. 
There are some Christians who say, you know, I'm just going to play it safe here. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm going to be a secret agent Christian. (laughs) Nobody's going to know I'm a Christian. And I'm not going to rock any boats, and I'm not going to make any waves, and I'm just going to kind of live under the radar in this life. And you know what? You might get some great rewards here and some accolades here. But that's it. What if you were to choose to go all out? Live the way you know Christ is telling you to live. And live for that great, immeasurable reward. Which will last for all of eternity. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Jesus says, great is your reward. Jesus rewards the people that suffer for him. Greatly. You know, there's another thing about uh, experiencing persecution and suffering for Christ. Paul talked about this odd joy that comes in having fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. And I've experienced that. There's something joyful about suffering for and with Christ. It's, it's like, wow, Lord, you're asking me to suffer with you? Okay. Acts chapter 5, Peter and John and some of the other apostles, they're preaching the gospel. You may remember the story. They get arrested. They get thrown in prison. They're taken before the council. They're beaten. They're let out. And Acts chapter 5 says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Rejoicing. Jesus said, Blessed are those when they revile and persecute you. Verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Man, if you are persecuted like this, you are in good company. You are in good company. You stand with the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel and Joseph and Ruth and Esther and Paul and the apostles And you stand with Jesus himself who suffered more than anyone. You're in good company. There's another great reward for being that peacemaker despite being persecuted. You know, there are going to be people that will make it hard for you. They'll come against you. They'll insult you. But as you live this way, there are also people who are going to come to Christ for your, through your life. What a reward. That people would be going to heaven one day because of you and your witness and the way you walked in front of them and shared the gospel with them. You know, I think we should rejoice and remember how Christian brothers and sisters in Christ in the past have suffered 
how previous generations were willing to suffer so that you and I could benefit now. I think of the people that God has used in my life, the people that led me to Christ, and I wonder how much they suffered. Are we willing to pay that same price? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. So that's what a kingdom person looks like. We've been kind of going through it. How are you doing? Do you look like this? I don't think we're ever going to live perfectly like this, this side of heaven. But we should be trying, right? We should be growing. We should care. We should be actively depending upon the Holy Spirit. Gang, I, I believe we're living in the last days. And the church needs to rise up and be the church. Time is running out. No more game playing. And remember, we don't do it in our own power. The Christian life is a supernatural life as we walk in life depending upon the Holy Spirit. Let's ask the Lord to help us, shall we? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we need that help. We thank you for how open and honest and straightforward you are with us in your word. Thank you for not candy-coating anything, for giving it to us straight. Following you is not the easiest way. There's no other way we should want to live. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ right here, that you would empower them and strengthen them. Maybe there are some here, you're my, my brother, my sister in Christ, and you've been hiding out. You've been, you've been trying to live under the radar. Don't want anybody to know anything. Don't want to rock any boats. No. Ask the Lord to, to really strengthen you and give you courage. Move forward in faith. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not certain that you are a member of the family of God. You're, you're not sure you're a citizen in the kingdom of Christ. But you want to be. You know it rings true. That's the kingdom to be in. I want you to know that King Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. On the cross, he bore your sin, paid the price for you. How do you get into his kingdom? You put your faith and trust in him. You admit that you're a sinner. You ask your sin, 
the Lord to wash away your sins. You put your faith and trust in him. If you haven't done that yet, I want you to do that with me right now. It really is. It's a deliberate personal decision that you must make as the Holy Spirit draws you. So will you make that decision? Do so right now in this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I need you. Please forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my King. Make me fully yours and help me to walk with you all the days of this life. Hmm. Amen.